0: So uh, I told you last week um, that we had gone to Knott's Berry, and I had my um, first ride on Ghost Rider in a very long time, and it was really fun. And uh, when you buy tickets now, it's one of those deals where you get to go like, for free for the next year and a half or something. And I'm a Dutchman, and like all good Dutchmen, you want to get the most for your money. So we'll be making many trips to Knott's over the next uh, year and a half. And uh, we went past this week. I got to ride Ghost Rider three times. <laughs> it was amazing. Front seat, back seat. Um, the whole deal, and uh, so uh, the first time we went a couple weeks ago, we went to Knots, and um, we got into line. And just as we were coming up to get into this line, um, two young girls jumped in front of us. Cool, all right, you know. So they get in front of us, and then uh, a minute later, um, their mom comes up and uh, and walks past to join. Um, join the girls it's like all right and then like two or three minutes later dad walks up and now he's walking through like six seven eight ten people to get up um, to his daughters and it's like you know I'm like you know at least be polite about the way that you're cutting in front of people you know I'm I'm a little and one of my kids says dad the the girls were just excited to get in the front of the line it's like all right all right and then we go a little bit further down the line and about halfway through, this is like a 40-minute line, and like 20 minutes later, two more people join their group. Okay, so now we're up to four. And they continue on through the line, and I'm really kind of annoyed at this point. And right before we go up to the steps to get on the ride, three more kids join their group. Now, seven people have cut in front of us. And I want to say something. I, like, and I'm a, I want to do something. And the, like everything inside of me is uh, 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 and I'm, I'm not going to tell you what I did or didn't do. I'm just saying, I'm just going to say <laughs> I could have done better <laughs> and I could have done worse. <laughs> but what I wanted to do in that moment is not who I want to be. What I wanted to do is not who I want to be. And I've got a new iPad this week. Thank you. (laughs) And it is not currently doing what it's supposed to do. (laughs) What I want it to do. So, here's my um, observation. We often don't get what we want by doing what we want. We often don't get what we want by doing what we want. Now, I probably should put a caveat on that. We often don't get what we want later by doing what we want now. There are some exceptions to the rule, right? If, for example, if you want to be broke, spend whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and you will get exactly what you want, right? If you want to be a ticking time bomb, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, however much you want. If you want to be alone in the world, tell people whatever you want to say, ignore them whenever you want to, and treat them however you want to, and you will get exactly what you want. But if you want financial stability as opposed to being broke, then that requires fiscal responsibility, requires you doing some things that you don't want to do now or not doing some things that you would like to do now so that you have something that you want later on. If you want physical health later, then it requires Diet and exercise now. If you want healthy relationships throughout your life, it requires us to invest time and effort into our relationships on a daily basis. If you want, if you have goals and you want to achieve them, to achieve a goal requires us to do things along the way. It requires patience and perseverance and determination as um, my good friend Cindy Macy used to say all the time to her daughters as they were leaving, make good choices. Make good choices today because they have implications for your life tomorrow. Make good choices. Choice is is a uniquely human experience. Choice is uniquely human. Right? There are no lions that wake up in the morning and think, you know what, what am I going to do today? How am I going to take this day and make the most of it? No, no giraffes wake up in the morning thinking about their long, long-term goals or you know, what their objectives for their life are, or their retirement or anything like that. Everything else in creation does what it was created to do. By design. Flowers do not choose whether to blossom or not. Like right? they grow, they get water, they do this whole photosynthesis thing, and they bloom and they do what they were made to do. Everything in creation does what it does by design. Psalm nineteen, David says it this way: the heavens declare the glory of God. Just by their existence, by being there, they're telling us about God's glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words, nor sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched his tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at the end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The sun does what it was designed to do. It does it every day. It doesn't have a choice about, you know, am I going to come out today or tomorrow? It's going to do it. Now, sometimes clouds might get in the way, but it's there every single day. Psalm 19 goes on to say that we human beings, that we have a design to that there was, there was a, a, we were made to work in a certain way, to function in a certain manner, that there are a way things work for human beings. The psalm continues, the law of the Lord, the way that we were designed, is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. The the statutes, the commands, the directives, the precepts of the Lord are an expression, information, an owner's manual on our humanity and saying this is how things work. And David, as he goes on uh, in the psalm, says in that design, the way God made us to work, it's actually, it's a really good thing. These directions, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, the honey from the honeycomb. There's a way things work. The way things work are good. But this is where our existence departs from everything else in creation. We get to choose whether to live by the design with which God made us or not to. By them, David says, your servant is warned in keeping them there is great reward which is to say God is saying this is how it works and if you follow this it will go well for you but there's a warning here which is to say if you don't live according to this design, if you don't live this way there is a price to pay and then David says, but who can discern their errors, forgiven, forgive my hidden faults, which is effectively to say, I'm not very good at it. You've given us a design, the design is good, you've given me a choice, but, but I'm not very good, I don't do very well at doing what you say to do, living according to design. In fact, David says, I'm so messed up, I don't even know when I'm messing up. Forgive my hidden errors. I, I, I'm so clueless to what's going on, I don't even know when I'm blowing it. Our defaults are flawed. Our defaults are like the, the impulse, the natural inclinations, the things that we're inclined to do, like talk to that person who cut in front of me like seven times, like I want to do something. It's like it's a def- the default is flawed. That's not going to lead to anything good. And there are a thousand other experiences of that in our daily life, that, that our impulse response to the guy who cuts in front of us, our impulse response to the, to the bag of peanut M's that's in front of us, the impulse response to so many parts of our lives is to do things that at the end of the day are not in alignment with the way God designed us to work, and it comes at a cost. Life-giving choices are often counterintuitive. And so David ends with a prayer. God, help me get it right. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. God, help me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. Choices. God led Israel out of bondage in Egypt. It was supposed to be a 40-day journey to the promised land, but They made some bad choices along the way and ended up being a 40-year journey to the promised land. But they're now on the shores of the River Jordan, and they're getting ready to make their quest after 40 years in the wilderness across into the promised land. And Moses gathers the people up together, and he lays out the options before them, that they're facing as they, finally, as they make this journey into their new homeland. He lays out the choices in front of them and encourages them to weigh the options. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Follow along with me. Now what I am commanding you today, Moses says, is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in the heavens so that you may have to ask who will ascend into heavens to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, that, so you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it. No, our, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, his precepts, his commandments, his directions, walk in his way, keep his commands, his decrees, his law. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, today, I call the heaven and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you. I'm telling you the way it is. I'm set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then he makes his appeal. Now choose life so that you and your children, this is not even just about you, the choices that you will make will have an effect on your children and their children and their children, future generations. Choose life so that you and your children listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to you to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm setting before you a choice. And the choice to follow in God's path leads to life, and the choice to not leads to death and destruction every culture and every generation faces some very common and not so common obstacles to life every generation there are some things that are just a part of the world as our, in our humanity and the way God designed it that everyone in every generation has to choose. But those choices are uniquely thwarted by specific components of a culture and a generation. For example, right? When Israel went into the promised land, they were going into land, into nations inhabited by other people. Those other people had other gods. And God says to them, here's, here's the obstacle you're going to face. I'm your God. I delivered you from your bondage in Egypt. I, I led you through the wilderness. You are my people, but you're going into a land where other people and they have other gods. And you get to choose between worshiping me or serving those other gods. That's your choice. Now, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Their choice was pretty simple, much simpler than like nations and other gods and, you know, which God will be served. It's like there's a tree. Well, there's two trees. And one tree has fruit that will lead to life and the other has fruit that will lead to death. What's your choice? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, other Bible heroes, were confronted with a choice. King Nebuchadnezzar had built a giant golden image and said, If you don't bow down to this golden image, this idol that I've created, then you will be thrown into a fiery furnace. The choice that they had was the God that the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had created or the God whom they served. One leads to life, the other leads to death. Short term, the choice for the, the, the idol is going to save them, but lead to death. Easier choice. The harder choice was to not bow down, to stay faithful to God, and he delivers them from the fiery furnace. Every generation, every culture has unique obstacles to life, to the choice of life. In the 60s and 70s, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. In the 80s and 90s, it was the me generation. If it feels good, do it. Kind of like you can be your own God. Set your own course. Have your own way. In the last two decades, technology and its side effects have dramatically affected the world that we live in. I'm not cursing it. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm using technology right now to present this message to you. I have the Bible app on here. I listen to podcasts. I'm not saying that the technology itself is evil, but it has changed the way we relate to the world and to people in the world in really dramatic ways. And there are things that we know, not about the content, but about the technology itself, that we know from quantitative analysis, studies, research, scientific research, and from qualitative analysis, from talking to people and listening to stories. There are things that we know from quantitative and qualitative analysis, that this technology that has become so much a part of life that it's part of the air. It's like air. It's just there. That it is negatively impacting our lives. We, this is not like a debated issue. Technology is negatively affecting our lives. And we keep swiping. We know it. I'll I'll show you in the coming weeks. It's not just about technology, but it's a big part of it, right? Research, studies that show us that technology is having a negative effect on life. Abundant life. Not just staying alive, but being alive. Not I'm not talking metaphor or hyperbole hyperbole. We know the US Surgeon General says that loneliness is epidemic. Loneliness is epidemic. And the effects of loneliness on our health, life, is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. We know loneliness is bad for our health. And we know that with the introduction of social media, that loneliness has literally become an epidemic. 60% of Americans say that they're lonely. We know that political polarization and the hostility and the violence that it breeds are destructive to life. There are real problems that are dramatically affecting lives of people and communities. They're dividing families, that are tearing people apart, ruining friendships, sound bites, Ideology, political posturing don't solve problems. Grudge and greed are soul-shrinking applications with physical, social, and spiritual ramifications. We, We know that all of these things are being fostered, fueled by technology, that it's having destructive effects on our lives and on our communities and on our relationships, We know it. And all of it breeds hopelessness. And it is so much a part of the life that we live, life as we know it, that we don't even think about whether we will pick up our phone and swipe through. It's not even a choice. It's just what we do. It's just how we live. So much so that, as David said, I'm unable to discern my own errors. I, I don't even know when I'm blowing it. I don't even know what I'm messing up. And if David is right, and the precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart, and light to the eyes. If the precepts of the Lord, if the if the living life the way God designed life to be lived, brings light to the eyes and joy to the heart. That's the stuff. Light to the eyes and joy. That sounds like life to me, right? I mean, to to see someone who has light in their eyes, to have joy in your heart. that not that, that's like that's being alive? That's not being mad at somebody who's cutting in front of you in the in the line. At, at, right, Knott's Farm. Light in the eyes, joy in the heart, precepts of the Lord. If Moses is right and the Lord is your life, then anything that disrupts our communion, our fellowship, our union with God is stealing our life from us. Anything that disrupts gets in the way of, blocks any obstacles to our communion, our fellowship, our relationship with God. Is taking away from the precepts of the Lord that are pure and right and true, that give light to the eyes and joy to the heart. Erwin McManus, in the book, Seizing the, Your Divine Moment, so somewhere in the past, the power to make choices was moved from the spiritual to the practical. We have created a, a dichotomy between being spiritual and everyday life. We have forgotten God created us with the power to choose. This capacity is perhaps our greatest expression of being created in the image of God. The power to choose is what makes us most unique from all of the rest of creation, and we were created in his image, and the other stuff was all just created by him for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. Choice. The most spiritual activity, he goes on to say, you will engage in today. Are you ready? The most spiritual activity you will engage in today is making choices. All the other activities we describe as spiritual, worship, prayer, meditation, are there to connect us to God and prepare us to live. It is the everyday life choices. It is a choice that you made this morning to get up and get out of bed and put clothes on or stay in your pajamas and sit on the couch that brought you to a place of worship. It, it was, right, The worship is the, the, the outcome, but it was the choice that brings you to that place. Everyday life choices chart our course and determine our destination. Life choices over the next several weeks. Five or six. I'm going to set before you life and death. Choices that bring life and choices that suck the life out of you. The choice between connection and seclusion, the choice between friends and followers. The choice between bridges and boycotts. The choice between redemption and regret. The choice between courage and comfort. Choices. Now these these things, if you're listening to this. And you're like, well, okay, this really only applies to people who ascribe to the precepts of the Lord. If these things are true, they're actually true for everyone. If choices that bring life are, the, are life-giving by design, then everybody, even if they're not worshiping God and doing it, right? if you choose relationship over Selfishness, service, it, whether doing it for God or for just being a good human being, it produces good fruit in you. These choices have fruit for everyone, and some unique benefits to those who are seeking to walk in the precepts of the Lord. I will set before you life and death. The first choice that I want you to make is this. I want to challenge you to choose to hear me out. To choose to hear me out over these next few weeks in this Life Choices series. Maybe you think I'm being melodramatic or this metaphor, hyper, let's take a look at it. What are the unique challenges and the obstacles of the world that we live in today there are obstacles to our communion and our fellowship with God, which is a source of life. And what choices am I making? Choose. To follow and walk with us together through this series. And the second choice that I want to give you this morning is the choice to join a small group this fall. Um, we are going to be doing a, a small group series this fall called um, The Rooted Network. It is a disciple development program. Disciple development program. Disciples is what Jesus made, right? When, when he came, he called his 12 people and he, he made disciples. And making disciples was the directive that he gave to his followers at the end of his life at his ascension go, therefore, and make disciples, right? This is the stuff that Jesus said to do. Disciples. It comes from the same word as discipline. Now, oftentimes, I I think there is two kinds of discipline. There's um, what I call, and I just started calling it this morning, this is fairly fresh, what I call back-end discipline. Back-end discipline is when um, you blew the play, and the coach makes you run laps at the next practice because you blew the play. That's discipline, back-end discipline. Front-end discipline is going to practice every day and going through all the, 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 the training and the equipping and the preparing so that you don't blow the play and end up with the back-end Right? Either, either way, you're disciplining yourself here or you're being disciplined here, but front-end, back-end. Disciples, disciple-making is about front-end choices that lead to the life that we long for. So we're going to start this series September 24th. It begins with a joint meeting all together September 24th, we're going to meet together here at 5.30 to introduce, to cast a vision for this campaign, for the, the small groups that we're going to be doing. Come September 24th, small groups will start the following week. October 1 through 7, we will have groups on Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We'll be offering groups on those three days, so you can start looking at your calendars and decide which of those days work for you. And I know a lot of you are sitting here right now, and you're thinking, you know what, yeah, but I can't really do that because I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and those are all obstacles and you know, my life's complicated and it's hard and I know Tim you know, he's, he's the pastor and he doesn't have to do with the things that I have to do with on a daily basis, he doesn't have to go to work, he just has to show up on Sundays, you know, I, I get that I understand that, it's different for you than it is for me, but hey, here's the deal we are all still human beings are we not? what, are, what is unique about our place in God's design. We have choices. We do. And you will choose to come the next six weeks. You will choose to join a small group or not. You will make other choices. I'm just saying don't stumble forward. If you make a choice not to do it, that is your choice. I respect that. I respect your humanity, right? I mean, God lets us make bad decisions. And I'm not even saying say that may be a bad decision for you. It may not be a bad decision. It may be the right decision for you. All I'm saying is choose. Don't default. Don't abdicate responsibility to this other person who has this other agenda for you. You choose. You decide what you will do choose agency over paralysis choose life Lord thank you that <laughs> in your divine wisdom which is sometimes very confusing to me and to many human beings that you created us in your image and likeness and part of that is that you give us the choice And those choices can lead to really, really beautiful things in the world and in our lives. But they can also lead to some really, really tragic and destructive things and have many times compounded and we live in a unique time and a unique age and we face our own obstacles and challenges in the world that that we're in today and, and we're swimming in this stuff and sometimes don't even see our errors. Open our eyes to see and remind us of the responsibility that you've given us to choose and give us the wisdom and the discernment and the courage to choose life. I pray in Jesus' name.